0: Welcome to the All In For Citrus podcast, the latest on citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of the All In for Citrus podcast. We've got a really interesting episode this month. First off, as COVID 19 restrictions continue, we get an update on how the University of Florida and the IFAS team is operating under the social distancing recommendations. That situation has also made it a little different than I think how Dr. Jack Payne was looking to end his career as he's scheduled to retire this summer. He talks about what the team has done over his tenure and what may be on the horizon. And as we say goodbye to Dr. Jack Payne, we say hello to a new citrus agent. She may be a new face, but she's definitely not new to the system. A lot of good information in this podcast. And as always, we're going to start with Dr. Michael Rogers Dr. Rogers, uh, we're talking again today from our homes, still working from home under the guidelines for COVID-19. Uh, last time we talked, you guys were, were starting to get people to work from home, but the research was still going. We wanted to get an update from you. Um, what's the uh, university and what's IFIS doing now?
1: Okay, uh, thank you. And, yeah, we're definitely settling into what people are calling the new normal right now. Um, We have uh, uh, had to change a lot of the ways that we're doing business in IFAS. Uh, But the the main thing to point out is that we still are doing business right now. Um, We're making changes to how we're doing that. And um, as probably everybody expects, you know, at least through the probably mid-May, we're not expecting to be doing any kind of in-person meetings Um, We'll be uh, working with just essential personnel probably through mid-May. It it could be longer, but we'll probably have to see. You know, time will tell how long this is going to last, obviously. Um, But in in the meantime, um, I want to point out, you know, that IFAS continues to provide support um, in, in any way that we can to growers. And um, but again, while while doing so, we we do have to follow those CDC guidelines about social distancing and and being around other folks. So that that is changing how we're doing things a bit. And what we're doing right now is we continue to have um, a small number of our essential personnel uh, that are still reporting to work uh, to take care of those essential tasks, things that have to be done um at our research facilities and we've we've worked for many years some some cases some programs it may be decades worth of work that's been done and you just can't walk away and leave that on its own you know we'll lose a lot of very important resources and so we, we do have a our small group of essential people who are taking care of those things that we're talking about insect colonies um, very valuable plant germplasm for our breeding programs pathogen cultures things like that and, and while they're there, if, if they're able to, you know, maybe collect a small amount of data um, as part of a project, uh, that's not going to keep them there any longer than normal. You know, there's, there's a little bit of that going on as well. Um, but we're definitely having to change how we do things. Um, you know, only one person in a lab at a time to, for that social distancing rule. Um, rotating, if, if we have to have more than one person comes into a lab, for example, we'll rotate schedules. So there's not more than one person at a time there. So people are able to get some tasks done. So the main thing is we don't lose any progress um, that we've made over the past year or years or decades on our research. Um, we've also got folks continuing uh, to go to the field. And um, we probably have a little more flexibility in how we do field work because uh, there's a lot. It's a lot safer, really, to be out in the field, out in the sunshine, Uh and get a little bit of exercise, a little bit of sun, and be able to take care of some things that need to be done in the field while staying distance from people. Um, we've got a number of long-term field trials that are um, up and running in the field, a lot of trials that are very time-sensitive, things like um, post-bloom fruit drop, black spot research, of course, HLB research. And so there's a lot of things that need to be done. And so we're able to get out and maintain those, those trials that are ongoing Um, uh, using a smaller crew than normal. Uh, Our folks don't travel to the field uh, in the same vehicle with someone else. It's going to be one person per vehicle type situation. Uh, They get to the field, they'll, um, you know, stay their distance from folks. And and if you're a grower who happens to see our folks out in the field, uh, don't be offended if they won't get near you because we've said, hey, you know, keep your distance from everyone. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying our best to continue to do some field work Again, it's not business as normal, but we're able to get some of those things taken care of. And and there's a lot of other things. Our, our grove crew is also having to be out taking care of all of our, our research plots as well. And there's a number of, of things that we're seeing in the field right now that needed attention. And, and probably in the growers groves as well, you're seeing some things that um, may actually be some good tasks for people to do on their own right now. Uh, one of the issues that we're seeing in our groves um, has to do with our irrigation systems. It's been really dry right now. And uh, ants that are out there in the groves are really looking for water. And we're getting a lot of clogged uh, jets, micro jets right now. So we've got, you know, single people walking, you know, isolated from others, checking those jets, cleaning them off. And we'll probably end up also having to do a little spray to, you know, to knock down some of those ants because they're going for the water and really clogging up emitters right now. So, As a grower that's probably something you want to be aware of and and and, you know a good activity for for an individual to do or folks to do on their own without having to be in contact with others Um, we're also doing a lot of work looking at um, uh, some some progress on extension delivery um, some new programs to to deliver uh, in the coming months that are going to be done uh, electronically uh, virtually if you will and our citrus extension agents are, are uh, in the planning process right now for um, a new delivery method for this year's citrus institute which we had to cancel or we'll call it postpone to this virtual setting and uh so what, what they're doing right now is working with the researchers who are going to be giving presentations um, to record those presentations um, in a zoom type format make those available online and we'll probably be uh, you'll be hearing more about that but Um, We're also hoping that um, for growers who want to take time and and watch those presentations and uh, actually uh, uh, possibly there'll be a way that you'll be able to get some CEU credits uh, for doing that as well. And so uh, all that planning and and effort to make that happen is going on right now. And uh, just stay tuned. The Citrus Extension agents will be putting out more information on that as they get all that set up. Uh, but again, we're we're continuing to try to deliver um, extension programming uh, a little differently than normal, but uh, through the through uh, virtual means or online. And lastly, um, our uh, our uh, researchers uh, continue not only on on working on research projects uh, as best they can, but uh, we are, they're also very busy busy right now writing grant proposals. We just recently uh, got the announcement that the USDA NEFA funds, their call for proposals have been released and there's um, somewhere around $40 million available right now for HLB research. So even, even in in a normal year, um, our researchers would be kind of putting things on pause to, to jump on to writing grant proposals uh, to get more research funded. That's going to benefit the Florida citrus industry. And, and so right now all of our researchers are very, very busy at home, uh, writing those proposals and getting ready to submit those in the coming month. And so uh, again, that's something else that's going on. That's really not much different than if it wasn't, we weren't dealing with COVID-19. And um, lastly, I I would also just say that um, uh, we're still all available. Uh, If growers have questions or there's things that we can help out with, um, you know, make sure that you call, email us, um, or or text your, your, especially your citrus extension agents. Um, They ought to be one of your primary contacts. If you've got questions, let them know. And if they don't have answers, they'll work with uh, getting in touch with the right folks who can get the answers that you need or or the help that's needed.
0: Very good. I know the last time we talked, we talked about uh, ways of delivering that information online. So I'm glad you guys are making some plans on that. Um, your guys is uh, newsletter. People can sign up for your newsletter to find out when this stuff is ready to go or what you guys are doing next. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah, so and we, we continue to uh, keep all of our information, uh, anything new that's happening We'll make sure it's announced in the Citrus newsletter, the um, All In for Citrus, uh, statewide Citrus Teams newsletter. Uh, our citrus extension agents also have newsletters they put out, and they're continuing to do that. And, and of course, uh, through this podcast and, and through Southeast Agnet's website, um, you know, there'll be links and information announced uh, through those means as well. Yeah, we'll definitely help
0: you spread the word. Dr. Michael Rogers, I appreciate your time today. And uh, sounds like you guys are trying to make it work with uh, what you have to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I believe it or not, I think we're even more busy than we have been. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a change in how we're doing things. Uh, we're having to adjust our schedules a little bit. Um, but uh, again, we're, we're uh, here if you need us. And so please don't hesitate to reach out and contact us if we can be of assistance.
0: Again, Dr. Michael Rogers, thank you. Thank you. And now I'm excited to have our next guest on the podcast, uh, the head of the Agriculture and Natural Resources Department at University of Florida, Senior Vice President, Dr. Jack Payne. Dr. Payne, thank you for making some time for us today.
2: I'm delighted, Taylor. So
0: obviously this is not the situation that we thought we were going to have as you wind down your uh, career here. You are scheduled for retirement, I believe, in July. Uh, kind of a weird ending here, as we look at this, right?
2: Yeah, it's really uh, disappointing. I didn't manage to think that this would be my swan song. My retirement date is July first, and our university is totally. Our classes are online right now. Um, most of us are working from home. We're allowing uh, certain aspects of research to go forward if we can. Uh, Provide social uh, distancing with the participants, so it's it's tough. Um, We uh, are bleeding uh, money, of course, you know, because we uh, students aren't paying for uh, we're returning tuition, uh, dormitories, uh, what they paid for. um, our, our, Our grad students are hurting because they can't finish their. Their uh, graduate degrees. So it's a very difficult time, but we have to err on the side of human health, and that's where most of the decisions are being made right now.
0: Well, hopefully, you're getting some of that uh, that fishing in early before <laughs> retirement. So I guess that's the good news there. But let's look at what you got going on over the last uh, uh, years, several years here at UF um, over your tenure here. There's been a lot of change in the citrus industry. What are some of the things that that most stood out to you? Uh, the changes over the time you've been there.
2: Well, of course, it's the uh, citrus is the iconic industry of Florida. Even though we're a specialty crop state like California, with over 300 crops of 140 billion dollar ag program, but uh, citrus is what everybody thinks about when they think of Florida. And in 2005. As many of your listeners know, uh, we discovered citrus greening, or Bing disease, in our groves. And I came here five years after that, in 2010, and it was all hands on deck trying to find a cure. And although we put millions of dollars into this effort, uh, and we've learned a lot about the disease, more so than probably any other entity in the world, uh, we still don't have a cure. Although we're able, from what we've learned, to keep people uh, in business and, and keep growing citrus. Uh, so that's probably been um, the biggest change is uh, how that's impacted the iconic industry of Florida, how a lot of the uh, smaller growers have gone out of business. Uh, I've been told that when it was discovered back in 2005, if you were a citrus grower, uh, the average cost per acre uh, to be in the business was about 700 $800 an acre. Today, with uh, the disease and all the grows trying to maintain the health of your trees, trying to control the psyllids, with the uh, and trying to do all the uh, uh, fertilizing that is necessary to keep your trees alive, it's about twenty-two, twenty-four hundred $2, dollars an acre. So the price of citrus hasn't gone up with those increased input costs. So a lot of the small growers have have simply given up, and there's been a huge consolidation. So that's. Uh, it's a big change. Uh, Some of the uh, very wealthy growers like uh, the uh, fruit juice industry, uh, uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, they all have uh, subdivisions with uh, Minute Maid and others have uh, bought groves and and some of the uh, the large groves that were there before have bought up some of the smaller groves, but a lot of them have uh, gone down to citrus production. And so uh, that's been uh, very worrisome. And and then you have the, the, the trucking industry, the pack industry, the juice industry, and that all depends on, as you know, a certain level of uh, uh, grower input that uh, isn't there. So time is of the essence, and we're getting really close to uh, a collapse in the industry if we don't figure this out.
0: Yeah, the, the elephant in the room is, is HLB, and obviously that's one of the challenges that still need to be addressed. Are there any other challenges uh, you would like to see that still need to be addressed moving forward?
2: Well, specifically, uh, first with citrus, um, you know, I I don't want people to think that we haven't been successful. Uh, People are frustrated because there's not a cure, so to speak. You know, we can't even keep the bacteria alive for uh, long enough to really work on it. Just recently, there was a big breakthrough with colleagues uh, we were on the research team with from Washington State University, where they've now been able to figure out a way to at least keep the bacteria alive to work on it. But, you know, things that we've learned about how the roots of a citrus tree serve as a reservoir for the bacteria, uh, how uh, taking care of the roots will, uh, in, in, a, in a more productive way that would, never was done before, will keep the trees alive longer. We have made great inroads on uh, a uh, transgenic tree. Of course, the whole question is, will the public accept the GMO? But uh, the tree is uh, not ready for prime time yet, but... Uh, both Texas A&M and the University of Florida have uh, trees, uh, uh, transgenic trees that look very promising. And then our traditional breeding that's always happened uh, at land Great universities with plant breeding, our citrus plant breeders keep developing better and better and better varieties that are becoming, they're not 100% resistant to HLB, but they're showing uh, a lot of promise to uh being able to uh, be productive for a lot longer time before they catch the disease And even once they do become infected, they still remain uh, very productive. So uh, I There's still a lot of hope for, for this industry and uh, there's a lot of good things every day coming out of our research uh, that being said uh, Back to your question about what other things are happening. We're also looking at alternatives now As especially crop state we have a huge variety uh, very successful crops, but our plant breeders especially have been uh, very successful at developing uh, new industries. Our blueberries, for example, uh, are, are quite well known. Uh, there was a time uh, that you can only buy blueberries out of northern states like Michigan, and our breeders looked at that and over a number of years developed varieties that could grow in the Florida heat and humidity. And today, 98% of all the blueberry varieties that grow in Florida, we developed strawberries just like california huge success story in florida 80 percent of all the varieties of strawberries that grow in our state we developed at the university of florida and some of the growers tell me that uh our latest varieties are the sweetest that's ever been developed so uh, that is is a is a growing industry we're looking at new things have never grown here before we we've we've grown hops if you can imagine that in florida hops come out of cold climates like Czechoslovakia Canada Montana and we actually were able to uh, grow some varieties that did well and one of the local breweries here made a lager that we all had a party with but uh, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on hops we're looking at uh, 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 peaches we we uh, we continue to be successful with peaches that we're releasing uh, to the industry Uh, pomegranates uh, and, and olives uh, unlike california uh, we don't have areas in florida that get the chill nights that make olive production successful but uh, we've done a lot of work with varieties from the middle east and other areas that don't require a lot of chill nights and so there's a small but growing olive industry in in the state trying to help citrus growers and others that want to remain in agriculture with alternative crops that where they've they are filling with citrus because of the disease.
0: Yeah, I think uh, diversification is is always probably a good idea for growers. So developing those new crops is always a good thing. Going back to HLB a little bit here. In ten years, you know, looking into the future here, do you think we will be in the same situation where research is is looking at better varieties that can handle it a little bit better, or um, you know, ways to you know, keep these trees healthy enough to, to be viable, to keep growers in business? Or do you think in 10 years that we, we possibly will be moving past this?
2: Well, I really believe that this will be a citrus industry. Um, California is new to the game of HLB after um, it's been here, as I mentioned, uh, in Florida since 2005. Um, we, we, the industry will be smaller. It, it won't be to the extent it is today. Uh, but the industry will still be here. People are frustrated because of all the time and money. But I have to remind people that this is a 100-year-old disease. We've known about, about one long, Bing disease for 100 years. The whole world, science, community, works on this. And because of the intensification of our research in Florida, I can we have world congresses on citrus breeding. And you go to those and listen to scientists from all over the world Brazil, India, China—it's um, apparent that the University of Florida we've been able to learn more about the disease than anyone. So we made great inroads, and um, I'm really—I really think the, the solution will probably be in uh, gene editing and CRISPR. Uh, our major citrus CRISPR researcher has already solved uh, canker and grapefruit, and um, he has isolated pockets of genes now uh, that he's pretty sure contain the uh, gene or genes that make a tree susceptible to the disease. So I really believe it's a matter of time that we solve it completely. but in the meantime, with our continuing escalating success with uh, new varieties that uh, Florida will be in the citrus business for uh, decades to come. I just think it'll be a smaller industry than, than it has been.
0: Uh, that, that CRISPR technology is is amazing. It has been kind of a game changer as far as breeding goes. And you've mentioned about how your guys' breeders there have come up with great new varieties and several crops um, for growers. So, I mean, I pretty much know your answer to this, but do you think IFAS will be the one who comes out and, and comes up with a, a, a cure or a, a, an alternative that will be citrus greening-free?
2: Well, scientists at land-grant universities, you know, I've worked for five of them, and uh, I'm, I'm a product of them. I'm the third generation in this country, first to go to college. And um, land-grants gave me my education, and they gave me my career. And uh, we cooperate. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we receive money from state and federal governments, from county governments for our extension services. And the requirement with the federal money is that we have multi-state Research projects, so we cooperate with University of California, uh, University of Georgia, um, and with something like Greening. Our scientists, you know, we we have scientific meetings, we have collaborations. I mentioned how we working with uh, Washington State University, uh, a joint team from Florida, been able now to to successfully keep the virus, the bacteria, alive. So uh, it just won't be us. Um, I think we probably have more experience and knowledge than anybody else in the country, but uh, we share that information. We're working with uh, folks from UC Davis, from Texas A&M, from Auburn, uh, folks in Arizona. So it'll uh, it'll come from science, and that's what's, I think, most important. And I think for your listeners, it's important for them to understand how the government, state and federal governments, have to keep funding. They're not doing it to the extent that they promised in the past or have in the past funding the research of these public institutions and men and women scientists in the uc davis's and university of florida's have the ability and the tools to solve these problems and make agriculture continue to be successful down the road there'll be be other diseases and uh so we need to be able to, to understand the importance of research and support that research uh, as a public institution, because if it's private, it, it's uh, you know it doesn't get shared. You got to pay for it, and uh, becomes proprietary, and it's a lot harder to get into the public realm and to our growers across the, our state. So, uh, I think that's the key message.
0: Yeah, um, as we move forward here to your uh, end date, uh, this may be the last time that we get a chance to. Uh, talk to you uh, aside from ceremonies, obviously at the end and all that. But uh, anybody you want to say thanks to uh, as you kind of wind down here?
2: Well, I I think of all the great things we did in my ten years as a senior vice president. Um, and again, I you know I've had the privilege to serve at, at five land grants, two as a faculty member, and three as a vice president. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of a lot of things. I think I'm most proud of the team I was able to put together here. A team of deans and department chairs and research center directors who uh, are just the best group of people I can can imagine in in these times of uh, being able to get the tools and the resources into the most important part, and that's the faculty, our scientists, our classroom teachers, our extension service. Um, I'm proud of, of really the men and women I've been able to surround myself with. And it's, it's great to talk to uh, you in California because, uh, as we mentioned before, I had the privilege of, uh, of working there for uh, quite a number of years and have great memories of the, of the Central Valley, the San Joaquin, the Sacramento Valley, uh, people like Al Motna, who I worked with on, in, in the rice industry. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's great to be able to see how land-grade universities and agriculture in this country have grown together to be the force that it is and and continues to be and needs to be as we ramp up to feed 10 billion people in the next couple of decades so with all those challenges as well so i i guess it's just uh i look back it's just the privilege the the men and women scientists and administrators i've had the privilege to be with and the agencies you know the the state Uh, ag agencies, the state natural resource agencies. I work a lot in that area as well. And of course, my friends at USDA. So it's like one big happy family. And uh, we don't always agree, but we all come together and and, uh, share our information, data, and science for the good of agriculture and and the quality of life of the people of our country.
0: Dr. Jack Payne, Senior Vice President of Agriculture and Natural Resources, on his way to probably fishing a little bit more. Is that what the plan is? (laughs)
2: Yeah, right now I'm living in Zoom land because we're still running. The university is open, although our, our classes are online, and but our research in certain areas continues. And uh, I I just uh, live, I should have bought stock in Zoom, I'll tell you, because uh, every day I'm back to back with Zoom calls. But yeah, I have a flats boat sitting behind my house, and I expect to use more of that in the next couple months.
0: Very good. Thank you for making some time for us today, sir.
2: You're very welcome, Taylor. Good luck to you, my friend. Stay safe.
0: Going from someone who is leaving the system to someone that's coming into the system, at least officially, we now go to Asia Paolillo. Uh, Asia, you may be officially new to the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences, but you've been around and some very recognizable names you've worked under here that growers will recognize right
3: yes so i have been very fortunate in my citrus career ever since i started at florida southern um, in that i have had the opportunity to work under and with some very great people in our industry my first Job, I guess you could say at the CREC was I was working under Dr. Larry Parsons and he gave me a summer internship there. Um, And then after about a year after I graduated from college in 2001, um, about a year later, I got to work with Dr. Bill Castle in rootstock research. And he taught me a lot about field data and how to collect data and how to kind of interpret that and and how we put it together in a form that's usable for the grower. And then after I came back to the CREC in 2015, and I got to work with the citrus extension team. I worked with Jamie Burrow, which um, was a wonderful opportunity. And I was able to really see how Citrus Extension worked and what we were able to provide for the grower and what what they needed from us. So I I was very fortunate with that. And then to be in this position as an agent with UF IFAS is just wonderful. And I am just... So excited and so thankful that I've been given this opportunity.
0: Yeah. So we talk about uh, passion and what really like drives somebody um, in some of these positions. (laughs) Now, you didn't come from an ag background, um, but you really kind of fell in love with this and have really shot for this goal. And I think that shows that you're really interested in this.
3: Yes, I, I don't come from a back, back background. That's correct. Um, I have always loved agriculture ever since I was a little girl, um, but my family is is in no way um, involved in agriculture. But once I was in high school, I joined FFA and I did the citrus judging team, which many people probably recognize that. And I was able to learn the different diseases, the pests and, and rootstocks and varieties. And I just really fell in love with citrus. And when I was contemplating what to do for school, for college, um I'm from Lakeland and so we went and visited Florida Southern and when I saw that I could get a degree in Citrus I was just ecstatic and I was sold and I was just loved it and I, I loved my program there. I learned so much and it just made me just love the industry even more
0: so now that you're officially part of the team um what are you going to be focusing on are you going to kind of be in general or are you going to be trying to do something specific or you know what's your goal here
3: Well, um, I want to get to know my growers first off, you know, they are, and and the stakeholders in in my area, my three counties, which is uh, DeSoto, Hardy, and Manatee, and I want to get to know who they are, what their unique operations are like, what they deal with, um, anywhere from the varieties that they're grown to their soil types that they're on. I want to know all about what they're doing and how that affects their challenges, their successes, and then what they need from me. That is where I I feel being an extension agent is so wonderful. And I've watched other extension agents in the past. You know, I I met Dr. Futch when I was in college and I, I also knew, um, Mr. Herner, he was one of my professors, and then to watch the other citrus agents like Lori and Chris, I've watched them, how they interact with the growers and how they give them what they need and how we really are the bridge from scientific research and bringing that to a practical application in the field. And I absolutely love that about extension. So, My focus right now is going to be on what do the growers need from me and building my program around that.
0: Again, so growers in DeSoto, Hardy and Manatee counties uh, keep an eye out for Asia Paolillo. Can they get a hold of you now? What's the best way to uh, contact you?
3: Yes. So right now with what we're happening with the coronavirus, um, I am unfortunately not in the office. But I am still here, I'm still working, and I'm definitely available to help with any problems that they have, any questions, any issues that they're facing, Um, and I'm available through email. So my email is asiacunningham at ufl.edu, or my phone number, my cell phone number that I have all the time with me is area code 863. 251-4763. So they can reach me both ways. And then um, we can go from there and work out and see what we can do.
0: Yeah, definitely a a different time with the restrictions going on with uh, COVID-19. But we can also find all that information on the on the website as well. Asia Payolilla, I really appreciate it. We're happy to have you on the team. And thanks for your time today.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me.
0: And thank you for joining us for another episode of the All In for Citrus podcast. Remember, if you like what you heard, to share it with a friend and subscribe. We'll be back next month. Thanks for listening to this month's All In for Citrus podcast from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network.